Welcome to Dear Wallflower, your podcast advice column where every week your hosts will answer a letter from listeners just like you, answering the big life questions facing today's women. Make sure to stick around for our weekly recommendations on books, movies, music, lifestyle, beauty, and more. We're so glad you're here. Grab a cup of tea and come on in. Welcome, dear listeners, to this episode of Dear Wallflower. I am your host, Kelia Clarkson. I am an actress, writer, filmmaker, and the editor-in-chief of Wallflower Journal. And with me today is my lovely co-host, Jessica Schroeder. I'm a writer and PhD candidate, a food blogger, tea drinker, and adjunct theology professor. We want to thank each and every listener who's tuning in today. We are always so glad to have you with us, and we hope this episode finds you well and with something warm to sip on. We'll be getting to this week's letter in just a few moments, but first, let's get into our pre-letter segment of the podcast called Roses and Thorns, where we recount our highs and lows of the week, starting with our biggest challenges or frustrations. And finishing off with a blessing or positive, hopeful experience that we had. So Jessica, what was this week's thorn and this week's rose? Well, thorn wise, we had quite a bit of pain and sickness in our house this last week. Mm. Um, My husband came down pretty hard with some kind of stomach bug. And then I got hit with a migraine while he was just just starting to recover. So um, yeah, we've definitely had to be adaptable. And I will be very glad to put this week behind me <laughs> in, in that in that sense, at least. Uh, but I would say that this week's rose was actually having some extra time to pour into creative brainstorming and dreaming about a business and membership site that I hope to develop and launch sometime mm. this year. So it's been a lot of fun and really exciting. Um, just had tons of Word documents and physical pieces of paper that I've been <laughs> jotting down ideas and plans on. So it's kind of like that fever of like, you know, create creative bursting. Yes. That makes sense. I totally um, get that. (laughs) I don't have like a ton to say about it just yet, but the aim in general will be to help women and their families eat more plant-based more easily. So stewarding our bodies and creation with grace for the love of God and and love of neighbor. So to our listeners, if that interests you at all, even just a little bit, hop on over to my website and subscribe as a follower with your email address or follow me on Instagram. Um, Those will be the primary means of getting out more information as I get more ideas and become ready to launch later on in the year. So. Oh, this is so exciting. I just, I'm very, very excited for you. I can't wait to see what you develop and Every, anyone that is thinking about eating plant-based should go ahead and hop over there. Um, so while I often complain about the weather, <laughs> this week I'm going to change it up, okay? <laughs> I have a new thorn. I'm sure it's, you know, I'll return to the weather at some point. But my thorn this week was having to spend a perfectly good Saturday morning doing taxes, which... Mm for us, because we do a lot of freelance work, is not as simple as putting in a single W-2 and being done with it. (laughs) So I am very much not a number person. As soon as a page full of numbers and instructions is put in front of me, I kind of freeze and get very overwhelmed. (laughs) That's relatable. (laughs) 
like I returned to like just a fourth grade, just like I, I, huh? So I'm really not gifted when it comes to, you know, those kinds of details. Um, so that was definitely no fun, but I'm also glad that we got a lot of it out of the way well before April. So for any listeners who have not done their taxes yet, this is your reminder, get started now today. (laughs) Um, so my rose this week was Ash Wednesday. So Mm -hmm. when this episode comes out last Wednesday, um, my husband and I decided to go get some ashes at a church a few blocks away from us. And it had been a while since we had been to that particular church. And I had honestly forgotten how beautiful it was. I was astounded for lack of a better word the difference between outside where it was cold and gray and noisy and inside where it was warm and grand and colorful and comforting. There's just really something so special to me about walking into a church right in the middle of a a big and, you know, crazy city. Mm. But um, anyway, after getting our ashes, we decided to sit for a little while and just pray sitting in this gorgeous, bustling yet peaceful church. Um, There were so many other people getting their ashes and yet it was so peaceful. And as we walked home, we saw a bunch of others with their ashes, all kinds of people, um, young, old, black, white, male, female, just this variety of people who just like us had taken time out of the middle of their week in the middle of their day to get their ashes. And it was just this really beautiful moment for me to feel connected to these random people who any other day I would have just walked right by them and not noticed them. But that day with all of us sporting the same ashes, it was different. Mm. Yes. So that was my leveling. Yeah. The field all in the same space, all from ash to ash. We return. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So just a couple of things before we get onto our letter for this week. If you have been enjoying this podcast, please consider leaving us a review. It really, really helps boost the podcast and get it in front of other people who might enjoy it, get something from it, and make sure to share with a friend. And lastly, we would love to encourage you to send in your own letter to dearwallflower at wallflowerjournal.com. We would love the opportunity to speak into whatever issue you are facing today. Okay, so let's move on to our letter for today. It covers the subject of deeply desiring love, but having a difficult time actually getting into a relationship. Dear Wallflower, I am in my 20s and I have never been in a relationship. I think it's something I ultimately want, but dating has always really scared me. I'm not sure why. Maybe because I'm a hardcore introvert. Maybe because I grew up with divorced parents and had very few examples of healthy relationships around me. It feels like something I don't know how to have. The thing is, whenever I am interested in someone, they're not interested back. But whenever someone is interested in me, I'm not interested back. I wonder if maybe I do this because I like the idea of a relationship, but I'm scared of the reality. How do I break out of this pattern? Sincerely, the hopeless romantic. All right, Jessica, what are your thoughts for our hopeless romantic? I want our hopeless romantic to know right off the bat that it is understandable that she might feel scared of a romantic relationship given her family history. While I have not experienced the ravages of divorce firsthand, I do know 
that our parents are only able to pass on to us what they themselves have to give. Mm. As children, we tend to spend a lot of time with our parents or at least one of them. So if this was the closest example of a romantic relationship in her life, especially during her formative developmental years, it's completely understandable that she has some hesitations or hurdles to overcome with respect to dating and marriage. Back in college, when I was working at a well-known coffee chain, one of my coworkers confided to me that she and her partner, quote, didn't believe in marriage since they had both come from families of divorce. Hmm. That, that statement just broke my heart and I wanted to be able to offer her hope in that moment. So being the idealist that I was, I said that she and her partner could be the ones to break the cycle. Um, <laughs> And I don't, I don't think that this is merely idealistic thinking. I actually want to offer that same advice and encouragement here. We don't have to follow the patterns that were set for us. Yes, mm -hmm. it, it will be more difficult because there is much to overcome, but it is possible and it is worth fighting for. I also want to recognize that a history of divorce is not the only reason our hopeless romantic gives for feeling afraid of a serious dating relationship. She also mentions that she is a hardcore introvert. Mm -hmm. This certainly creates some unique challenges, but it is not insurmountable as we will see. We are powerfully motivated and driven by what we believe and by how we see the world. Breaking the pattern of staying distant from romantic relationships is going to need to start internally with what our friend, the hopeless romantic, believes about herself and the world around her. She can then pair external actions to the internal work that she is doing, helping her to move into a place of feeling more open to and comfortable with the idea of a healthy dating relationship. So I have three specific ideas for how she can work toward breaking this pattern. First, I would say befriend and become a student of healthy married couples. Mm -hmm. So the goal here is to learn what healthy marriages look like. Ask tons of questions and don't be afraid of asking what you might think are silly questions. Something to keep in mind is that couples don't stay married and avoid divorce because they don't have conflict. <laughs> right? Yeah. Rather, <laughs> truly. <laughs> That's knowing laughter, by the way. Um, rather, <laughs> those who remain married and have healthy relationships have learned how to deal with conflict well and how to continue to love, respect, and support one another through life's ups and downs. That's such a good point. Happy couples, we have this, this idea that happy couples never fight. No, they just no. know how to do it wisely. <laughs> they just, they learn how to fight. You know, mm -hmm. you have to fight. Exactly. And I fear that too many in our society expect that, that like this idea of falling in love um, is the way into a relationship and that there is this possible subsequent falling out of love, you know, that becomes like the, the excuse, right? Um, and this makes the self, like the, the, the individual, the center of the relationship and it lets commitment off of the hook, but Ooh. that's, that's not a marriage. That's lustful seeking of self-fulfillment in another person, as long as one's own needs are being met. Wow. Um, yeah. So that's, how a, that's do... a really good point. <laughs> <laughs> that is making what you feel at the moment, the center of the relationship. That's so true. Mm -hmm. That's yeah, that's selfish and marriage at, at its core can, cannot be selfish to, mm. to be healthy and to last. So how does our friend do this practically to um, become a student of and befriending married, married couples, uh, healthy married couples? 
So I would say start with something like offer to take a couple out to coffee to get to know them better. Or if you already have some people in your life that fit this description, just tell them that you admire them and um, their healthy marriage and ask them frankly, if, if you can learn from them. Seek to learn from couples who honor and respect one another, who appear to still be like in love after many years. Mm-hmm. Ask how they foster this kind of connection. I can almost guarantee that those who have worked hard at it would love to share the wisdom that they have hard won over the years together. Mm. Yes. My second tip is practice vulnerability. Now I'm not advocating going from zero to a hundred with emotional vulnerability with a guy that you're just getting to know, but the aim here is to practice closeness, openness, and sustained and deep communication. Mm. And even though the focus of our conversation here is on dating and marriage, I would advise you to just start with your girlfriends here. The goal is to become more comfortable with creating meaningful relationships that can last. Marriages are will be and are tried by fire time and again. And if you cannot be vulnerable with your partner, you won't be able to weather the trials to come. Yeah, that's so true. If if you're having a problem with romantic relationships specifically, you're likely having the same problem with your other relationships, but you might not notice it as much because you know, you're not pursuing that kind of relationship the same way that you're pursuing a romantic relationship. Exactly. Yeah. Friendships share a lot in common with this. Friendships may, may not whether the same kinds of trials that marriages do, but they are good practice ground for developing the relational skills that will be required for a healthy dating relationship and for marriage. Mm -hmm. Moreover, if, and when you do decide to open yourself up more vulnerably to a guy, be sure that he is worthy of it Mm. as a rule of thumb. Deepening vulnerability should go hand in hand with deepening commitment. It's Mm -hmm. difficult to prescribe exactly how to go about this since these two are organically intertwined. That is um, by connecting and sharing openly, we feel comfortable then deepening our commitment to someone and vice versa. You know, they go back and forth. (laughs) The the point is that um, while it is important to be open, do this wisely. Also, as introverted as you may be or feel, I think that deep down, we all desire meaningful connection with others. Mm -hmm. Being more introverted just usually means that you want that connection with fewer people at a time and perhaps with a lot more time and space in between for yourself. So just something to know that you might be approaching relationships differently than you see your extroverted friends doing. Yes, yes, absolutely. And you also might think like, well, I'm an introvert. I guess that means that like, I, I can't have like a lot of close relationships or, or many close relationships at all, because you think like, well, that's something for the extroverts. That's not for me. Hmm. Whereas I think actually a lot of introverts do have a fair number <laughs> of close friends. Cause that's how, yeah, that's how we're wired is to connect on that deeper level. Yeah. And yeah. So practically, if you are interested in a guy and think that he's marriage material, see if you and another girlfriend could arrange something with him and one of his good friends. I feel like a group of four seems like just the right amount for getting to know one another better without the pressure of being one-on-one. And it's also small enough for going a bit deeper into conversation but also large enough for it not to feel like a date or even to be a date at all. Mm -hmm. And third, uh, my third and final suggestion here then is focus on the good 
of marriage. How we direct our thoughts and our larger internal worlds have a huge impact on how we will act in our daily lives and relationships. Rather than dwelling on the lack of success in marriage that your parents had or others you may know, focus your intention on what marriage is meant to be, how it honors God, how it can be a gift to each partner and even to the larger society and so forth. Mm. Spend some time digging into scripture to ground your thoughts and beliefs in what God has to say about marriage. Ephesians 5, for example, speaks not only about how husband and wife should treat one another, but also about the beauty of marriage being a reflection of Christ and his church. Passages that describe married couples as one flesh are also well worth meditating on as well. Also, consider asking yourself some questions about marriage. For example, why do you want to be married? And what what do you see as the primary gifts of marriage? I think reflecting on these things can be really helpful. That's true. And then practice holding marriage in a positive light while also being realistic about what it takes to maintain a healthy marriage. Remember that the things in life that take the most work are typically the things most worth having and protecting. I want to add here at the end a quick caveat about something that our hopeless romantic admits in her letter that I didn't yet address. Um, Whether or not you and a guy reciprocate feelings or like one another back may not have to do with your perspective on dating or relationships. Um, A guy may just not have those kinds of feelings for you and you might just not have those kinds of feelings for him. That being said, however, friendship can lead to the development of those kinds of feelings. So it it is worth considering if there are particular barriers holding you back from getting closer, Mm -hmm. even if just as a friend, you know, to the guys that you see as marriage material. And I can think of many marriages that I know of that started out as friendships wherein only one person had a romantic interest in the other at first. Um, (laughs) So don't lose heart, but also don't overlook the wonderful gift of developing friendships, regardless of whether you can tell what they may happen to become down the road. Gaining a rich friendship is well worth it. And you may be surprised what a good friendship could blossom into over time. So to our dear hopeless romantic, I hope that you have been able to find some of this encouraging and some of it comforting. I pray that you would be able to better understand and face the fear you have related to dating and find courage to believe that your life can take a different path than those who went before you. Mm, I love all of those thoughts. They're such good suggestions. Um, First off, I want to give our writer props for sending this question in. This took some courage, I think, to open herself up like this. And I also want to say, I am impressed with the self-awareness that she already has. She's willing to take a truthful look at the reasons behind her behavior. And honestly, that's kind of rare. Hmm. I think it's a lot easier to blame whatever we're lacking in life on exterior sources. Like, you know, my mom always made me feel like X, so it's her fault that I'm X now. Or my dad never said X to me, so it's his fault that I can't X now. And it's more comfortable to kind of lay blame on others, whatever isn't going right for us. But instead, I see our writer um, or in our writer a desire to acknowledge how things outside of herself, herself have affected her while being aware of how she herself has had a part in this. So that's a really, really good quality to possess. So 
a writer's reticence to actually have a relationship could have something to do with her introversion. I know from firsthand experience as an introvert that as much as I want close relationships, I've always had a tendency to really struggle with close relationships and kind of push people away. And there's a bunch of reasons that could be. And while I do think my introversion has something to do with it, and maybe her introversion has something to do with it, I think there's ultimately much more at play. I think our writer really started getting into something deeper when she mentioned her parents, when she said that she'd never witnessed a good relationship. She'd never been taught how to have a healthy relationship. What we witness as children and adolescents between our parents or caregivers has a deep and long effect on us. So I'm just going to go into a few areas that I think our parents really, really affect when it comes to our future relationships, because I think it's helpful to understand when we ourselves find, um, or when we find ourselves in this sort of cycle that our writer has, how we got there in the first place. So first, our relationships parents, or I'm sorry, our parents' relationship, I'm mixing up a lot of words today. Wow. Um, Our parents' relationship with each other is the very, very first image of love that we have. So it informs whether we think love is unstable or if it's affectionate or if it's distant. And when we are only given examples that aren't healthy, we, like our writer expressed, will end up feeling like we have no idea how to navigate a good and healthy relationship, how to cultivate one. It's sort of like speaking a language. If you grew up speaking only French in your house, but when you go out into the world, everyone else is speaking some totally foreign language that you can't even identify, you're going to throw your hands up in the air and retreat. Another thing I um, think our parents or caregivers will affect is our attachment style, which this is my very, very first suggestion. Find out what your attachment style is. Hmm. So just a quick little rundown of what an attachment style is. When we're babies, we're taking in a lot of information and constantly learning about this weird world that we just popped into. And one thing we learn often from our primary and secondary um, caregivers is our attachment style. So we learn how to interact and behave in our future relationships. By the way, we learn to do these things within our relationship with our parents. So there are a few different attachment styles, and I think it's really, really important for us to know our own. So as I explain and just kind of give a little quick rundown of these different attachment styles, I would love for our writer to be thinking about which one she identifies with. For me, knowing my attachment style really helped me understand what had gone wrong in past friendships and why I behaved the way that I did in relationships. And it also helped me figure out how to move forward and begin to form healthier connections. So first there's secure attachment which means that as a baby, you were held when you wanted to be given a lot of attention and affection, but also encouraged to be on your own. So people with this attachment style have a simpler time forming healthy, mature relationships down the line because they had that with their parents. And then there's anxious slash preoccupied, which means that you often feel really insecure and anxious in relationships, and you might have a fear of abandonment. You deeply desire to be accepted and loved, but you also end up being what is commonly called clingy. You get anxious if your calls aren't returned immediately and you need a lot of reassurance and you have Mm -hmm. a very low self-esteem probably. 
Then there is dismissive um, slash avoidant attachment, which means that um, while deep down you might want a relationship, you tend to push people away as they start getting close and you're very independent and self-sufficient and you do have a positive view of yourself, but you don't want to depend on anyone else for anything. And lastly, there is disorganized or fearful attachment, which I believe is the most um, uh, least common. And it's sort of a mix of um, anxious and avoidant. And people with this attachment style often have a low self-esteem. And while they deeply desire love, they don't think they deserve it. And they have a very difficult time trusting anybody. So those are the main you know, four types of attachment. And you might have a mix or you might find that you very clearly identify with one. But I strongly encourage our writer to read up on these attachment styles so she can understand them. And this can really, really help shed some light on her actions within relationships and provide her with a way forward. Yeah, I feel like those, um, just like you said, knowing your attachment style can help to shed a lot of light on, like, like you said, past relationships, even current relationships and understanding more about ourselves in terms of how we show up in relationships and what we long for, why mm-hmm. we might hold people at a distance. Do you happen to know, Kelia, um, are, is there a way to like almost reparent yourself in terms of if you find yourself in one of those less healthy attachment styles, can you like work toward having a more secure attachment style? You know, I, I don't exactly know the science on that, but I do feel like it is something that you can learn, you know, mm. um, kind Funding. of like the, the, the inner workings of how that actually works and how to um, create that. And then also just pass it on to your own kids, because that's a, that's a big thing about having secure attachment is you want to um, be able to pass on this, this healthy thing to your children as well, which is why it's, I think, very important to figure that out. Yeah. I think some of there's so much beauty in uh, all that we're learning about the brain and neuroplasticity and emotions and, and all these different things that we see the opportunity to grow and we're not stuck. Like it's important to see where we, we are and where we have mm-hmm. um, how we have grown up, you know, kind of where, where was our baseline to understand that, but also knowing that you're not stuck there, that yeah. it may take a lot of work, but it's possible like to grow and to Absolutely. become healthier and more whole. Absolutely. And I mean, for anyone who doesn't have secure, because obviously, um, you know, when you read about it, it's like, oh, well, secure is great. Like, wish we all had that. Mm. Um, for every, anyone that doesn't have that, that doesn't mean that you can't have healthy relationships. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It also mean doesn't mean that, you know, you should, um, you should get upset with your, with your parents or your caregivers all over again. I think, mm it's really hard to have like perfectly secure attachment. I don't, you know, I don't know how many people really do. Um, I think a lot of people have different mixes. Um, it's just about getting closer to that ultimately like healthy, healthy relationship. So, yeah. Um, so yes, go, go find out your attachment style. (laughs) Um, so, uh, one more thing that I think our parents, um, can affect in our future relationships. Our parents' marriage um, or relationship also teaches us what kind of treatment to um, expect or be attracted to. So if we as women had a dad who was really attentive with us, affectionate, positive, strong, dependable, and um, was also all those things with our mom, then we're going to expect that from the guy that we date. And we're also going to have standards for him to live up to. But if we had a dad who was 
maybe distant or angry or undependable um, or hot and cold. While we might assume we would look for someone who wasn't any of those things, someone who looks more like the dad of the uh, first example that I gave, it's actually pretty common to search for someone similar to him, even mm-hmm. in the negative ways. It's almost like our um, our brain is trying to get it right this time and, and doing take two. So we will end up allowing treatment that maybe we shouldn't or be attracted to a certain type of guy that exhibits toxic behavior in the future. Hmm. So with that being said, I want to pose um, a few questions to our writer. What is it you do like about the people that you're interested in? I think it's helpful to zero in on exactly what it is that's drawing you in and seeing if that's a healthy attraction that you should be entertaining or if it's ultimately unhealthy for you. Do you tend to like guys that are aloof or guys that are kind of brooding moody types? And on the flip side, what is it that you don't like about the people who are showing you interest? Is it perhaps that they show you interest? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, really, or is it something else? Maybe Mm -hmm. you don't find them physically attractive or maybe as soon as you know, someone is available, as soon as you know, someone is available, you find some reason to no longer be attracted to them. So as not to get tangled up in a relationship. So these of course are just thoughts to ponder for our writer. I don't know the ins and the outs um, of her life, but these are just a few reasons that she might be caught in this cycle. So so interesting. I just had a thought, like the idea that someone would show interest could, could actually in self be scary. Like you're saying, if, Mm -hmm. if someone has a not, not, not a secure attachment style and, and thus maybe doesn't know if they should trust that kind of attention, Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, well, this person likes me, but I, I don't know. I can't, I can't, I can't reciprocate that. It's like, we might be doing ourselves a disservice by um, unknowingly, I don't know, make, making assumptions about something because it, it scares us when it really ought not to. So I think that's yeah. a great piece of advice. Yeah. I, I have seen many, many um, women. I think that they, that's their issue is that they, as soon as a guy shows interest, it's like, they just kind of shut off and they go, oh no, I, I I can't be interested in this person because they showed me interest, which is just so Mm. funny and yet human. Mm. Um, but this brings me to my next suggestion. I think it would be really beneficial for our writer to see a counselor, someone whom she can tell the ins and the outs of her life, who can build a relationship with her that she can learn to trust and open up to, and also who can help her decipher what's really keeping her from getting into a relationship. I really think therapy is one of the most powerful tools and it's always worth giving it a try because this is a painful and frustrating cycle to be stuck in, feeling like the interest is never mutual. Our writer mentioned that she wonders if she's scared of the reality of a relationship. And again, I have to commend her honesty with herself. I think she very well could feel unprepared and fearful of what she believes is the reality of a relationship. Keywords, she believes. Hmm. And from what she's witnessed, relationships are not stable. They break up, they dissolve, they end. So her subconscious might be protecting her from, at best, the unknown, and at worst, a heart-wrenching breakup. 
So this is where my next suggestion comes in, which Jessica already expressed. I think our writer needs to give herself an example of a healthy relationship. She needs to see a relationship that works, that's life-giving and beautiful, in order to start learning the language and becoming more comfortable with the idea of having one herself. She might try finding an older married female mentor at church or maybe even at her job who she can get coffee with and talk to and learn from. Or she might even reach out to an aunt or a friend's mom. I promise that's not weird. (laughs) (laughs) Having older mentors and friends is honestly, it's a gift. You are able to gain insight and wisdom on whatever feels impossible to solve or overcome right now. And they once walked where we're currently walking. So why wouldn't we come to an older person for advice? While I think it's best to do this with a real live person that you can share a meal with and talk to and a couple that you can share a meal and um, talk to, sometimes that's not possible. So our writer can also search for an older woman with an online following that she can follow and learn from from afar. Side note though, take a lot of what you see online with a grain of salt. You never really know the behind the scenes. And while it's good to find inspiration wherever you can, be careful not to idolize someone. This is why really, I think if a writer can, it's best to find this mentor figure in real life. Just a couple of more suggestions as I um, wrap this up. If our writer hasn't already done this, I encourage her to share her struggle with a trusted friend who might have some insight. Invite her to honestly help you explore what could be keeping you from a relationship. Ask her to tell you of any patterns that she's noticed. It might feel awkward to let someone in on this struggle, but if you have a close enough friend, they can really, really help you here. And lastly, I might suggest that our writer gives one of the people she says she's not interested in a chance. Now, of course, I don't mean force yourself to like someone for the sake of having a boyfriend (laughs) or going out with someone who genuinely makes you uncomfortable or is a really bad match for you. I am not advocating for her to totally ignore her standards or desires in a significant other. But what I am suggesting for her to do is give someone a different or someone different a chance, even if she's not too sure about him. Be open to the possibility of being wrong about whether or not you would like some, you thought you would like someone. Let yourself step outside of what you envisioned your significant other to look like or be like, and just try getting dinner with someone. Maybe nothing will come of it, or maybe you will end up really hitting it off. I'll wrap all of this up by saying to our hopeless romantic, I really wish you the best of luck as you navigate these waters. I really hope we were able to offer you some good questions to ponder or shed some light on something you hadn't considered yet. Thank you for your honesty in your letter, and thank you for giving us the opportunity to speak into this issue. All right, it's time for the May We Suggest segment of the podcast, where we suggest to you the things that we've been reading, watching, eating, or wearing this week that made us really happy to be alive. Everything we suggest will be linked in the description of this episode for you to check out. So Jessica, what is your suggestion this week? This week, I'd like to suggest a prayer book called Every Moment Holy. There are a couple of volumes out there. There's, I have volume one, I have the pocket version. It's not really, I'm not sure. You need a big pocket to put it 
<laughs> in your pocket, but, um, it's, it's like nicely, I don't know if it's a real leather, but some kind of leatherish, um, bound. It's just a really beautiful, nice book to hold. And it goes right with your Bible. And, um, it's just, it's modern, modern day liturgies for all different kinds of scenarios, like, um, table blessings for times throughout the week. Um, like, a. a very fitting for us this last week, a liturgy for a sick day, Aww. uh, before changing diapers, actually there's one and two for changing diapers. Cause that happens <laughs> a lot for people, but anyway, it's just, it's a lovely, um, book full of just prayers that feel very relatable yet very sacred. Um, it's a beautiful, intimate way to bring God into the everyday moments of life, whether you're praying for, um, something that you need, you know, provision or through sadness or pain, or whether it's something that's a blessing that you're thanking him for. There are a lot of really neat prayers in there. So every moment, holy. Amazing. I love that. Um, This week I am suggesting a YouTuber named Abby Emmons. So her whole channel is all about the art of storytelling and writing and, you know, how to craft a good, beautiful, meaningful story. And I have found her videos to be, first of all, just fun to watch. She's got a great personality and a lot to say about the science behind storytelling and a lot of really good writing advice. And she also does these write with me live streams where she talks a little bit and just hangs out and does writing sprints. And for some reason, they really help to motivate me when I'm feeling stuck or like, I just can't write another word feeling like I am writing with a friend. So for anyone looking to do some more creative writing, whether for a novel idea or screenplay or something else, go and check out Abby Emmons on YouTube. All right. To wrap up this episode, Jessica, how can listeners find and connect with you? Listeners can find me on my food and lifestyle blog, thisrealjourney.com. And on Instagram at Jessica J. Schroeder. And if you want to get in contact with me, you can search my name on any of the socials and reach out. And of course, check out Wallflower Journal, where we have new articles coming out every single week about relationships, beauty, recipes, personal stories, and so much more. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you so much for listening to Dear Wallflower today. If you have a question you'd like answered, you can send your letter to Dear Wallflower at wallflowerjournal.com. Every letter we read will be kept totally anonymous. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week.